We're just going to power through it. Just going to bang it out. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be like Friday night with your girlfriend. Just, you know, <laughs> you bang it out. Bang it out. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> So it's going to be a really short episode. <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to leave the listeners disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> Are we ready? Sure. That's what I would say. Are you ready? Yeah, I am recording. <laughs> oh, fuck. i tell you what, Paul. <laughs> one of these days, one of these days, Paul. Bang, pow, zoom, straight to the moon. <laughs> This is Wayne. Well, good morning, guys. We are we are three guys not at San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah, I'm pretty pissed about that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I fight the battle every year of San Diego Comic-Con is just too big for me, and I really wish I was at San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, yeah, I want to be there for the whole spectacle, but I would hate it there. I don't know. It's too crowded. I, 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 I was I was watching some video of just guys like moving through the halls and, you know, just it's just this throng of people. And I'm like, oh, my God, I, I would just start I, I would get 15 minutes into it and just start killing people. Yeah. And you hear about <laughs> all these really cool panels. But then you hear about how long people waited to actually get into them. Yeah. It's like you spend your whole convention in line. I can. There are guys who, who wait hours in line for a panel. And I just I, I, there's. Are you spending the kind of money you spend to get to San Diego and stay in San Diego and to be at the con and then blowing your time standing in a line? No fucking way. But well, some of the big ones, they wait overnight outside to get in for the. Yeah, that's crazy yeah. talk. From that's what I hear, talk. there were thousands of people in line last night uh, to get into Hall H because of all the, you know, all the big movie stuff is today. Right. Right. Uh, and I'm recording this on Saturday, uh, July 26th. So, um you know, we're going to talk about some movie news that will probably be solidified later on today. It, it's almost like you're saying that we're not cutting edge news, that we're not we're not right there on the bleeding edge of the news, Paul. No, we're going to talk about something and then tomorrow we'll find out it's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so how is this different from any other funny books with Aaron and Polly? Well, typically we know we're wrong before we even talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> OK, fair enough. Fair enough. So starting with the Marvel movie news. Holy uh, shit. So tons of Marvel new movie news is, you know, probably going to be announced this weekend. But some of the stuff that's leaked out already um, includes, uh, you know, we, we they've announced a, an upcoming Doctor Strange film directed by Scott Derrickson. We talked about that in an earlier episode. It seems like the front runner for the role of Doctor Strange is Joaquin Phoenix. I hate that idea. I actually I'm OK with it. I can't stand that guy. Well, I can stand him in 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 a role. I can't stand him in person. Oh, I just can't stand him as an actor. I mean, I just – Well, you won't be a big fan of Doctor Strange then. I, I, I fear that's the case, and I'm, I'm aching for Doctor Strange, Paul. Aching. It, aching for it. Yeah, in my loins. 
Yeah, well, I have I, no opinion at all because I can't think of anything that he's played in that I've seen. I've probably seen point. him, but how is this a conversation we have every time we mention an actor? <laughs> because I don't follow actors. <laughs> have you seen Gladiator or um, Signs? Yes, I've seen both. Okay, well, he was the younger brother in Signs. Yeah, he was the guy with the baseball bat in Signs. Okay. Um, in Gladiator, I don't remember who he was in Gladiator. He was the Emperor. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he was a bad guy. Um, and he was Johnny Cash in Walk the Line. Okay, so yeah, I have seen things with him in it. It's just one of those things where I say I don't follow actors. I don't know who people are unless they're really big or really hot like Emma Stone. <laughs> <laughs> well, and his breakout role was in Brother Bear, playing the role of the bear. I've actually seen that in theaters as well. <laughs> My wife wanted to see that one. This is where Aaron's like, what is Brother Bear? I, I have no idea what we're talking about. Now. It's a Disney movie, Aaron. It's ah. okay. <laughs> so so the, the list of movies that has been, I guess, leaked, I don't think any of this is official yet, lists the slate of Marvel movies through May of 2019. Well, and I got to be honest, I don't know if we are looking at an official picture. No one's come back to refute it. Right. Or if it's just someone, you know, putting something together, you know, to fake us out. But it seems awfully realistic based yeah, from, on what we know. Yeah, from what's been, you know, teased and leaked and, you know, things that we've heard talked about, it seems a very plausible list. And so, so you want me to run through it real quick? Yeah, go ahead and run through it real quick. Okay, so so uh, May 1st, 2015, Avengers Age of Ultron, which we already knew. Uh, July 17th, 2015, Ant-Man, which, you know, is seeming less and less likely, but uh, <laughs> Marvel is, uh, is sticking to their guns on that one. And then we've got Captain America, the fallen son, which we knew which that is, was official already, yeah, which is May 6, 2016. And then here's, here's, here's where things start getting, uh, just crazy. July 8th, 2016, Dr. Strange, May 5th, 2017, Thor Ragnarok, which you know, I, I I just imagine that the reason why Tim isn't here is he still hasn't hasn't cleaned himself up. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> July twenty eighth, twenty seventeen, Guardians of the Galaxy: War of Kings. And actually, just on that point, um, they have not officially announced, but it's been leaked out in interviews that James Gunn will be back to write and direct the Guardians of the Galaxy sequel. So that seems plausible. Yeah. November third, twenty seventeen, Black Panther. July 6, 2018, Avengers Civil War. November 2nd, 2018, World War Hulk. And May 3rd, 2019, The Inhumans. The last three I'm iffy on. It would not surprise me. I, I, I think that, that uh, Marvel has been trying to figure out how to do a Hulk movie. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense to me because yeah, you know I, Civil War would would lead into that World War Hulk because they launch him into space. I am so excited about the idea of World War Hulk. Yeah, because that would be an incredible movie. I think the only movie on the list that I wouldn't see is I've never cared about Black Panther. It depends on. I'm care because it'll probably lead into Avengers Civil War. Well, but you know uh, there had. Marvel Knights had a fantastic uh, Black Panther run, and I forget the. Reginald Ryder. Yeah. Uh, I, I I could really see them doing a Black Panther movie really well. I could see Black Panther. I would like to see 
the Illuminati form. And I know you can only do you can do it without Charles Xavier, but you can do it with the rest of the cast. Yeah. Well, you wouldn't have Reed Richards either, and that's the that's oh, the sad shit. thing. That's right. That's the sad thing about World War Hulk is that you wouldn't get the Silver Surfer fight. No, but you got Doctor Strange, you got Iron Man, you could throw Captain America in there, even though Captain America in the movies probably wouldn't play along. But maybe they'll mind wipe them. I mean, it, it, exactly. There, there are plenty of opportunities here. I do. Th- the rumors are that Hulk will get shot into space at some point during the the second Avengers movie. Mm-hmm. So I'd venture to say maybe we'll see him in the second Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Yeah, always possibility. Yeah. But you know, from from what we're hearing on the advanced reviews of Guardians, I don't think you need Hulk in that movie. Yeah. I think I think Guardians is going to be huge all on its own. It doesn't need a Hulk in it. You know, um, my brother saw it last weekend at a uh, a free screening, and he so I, I I talked to my brother. His name is Matthew. He's written for the site before, and um, yeah, I got a I got I got a lawyer letter because of him. Thanks, Paul. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, he, he wrote our number one article of all time. Uh, <laughs> the lawyers loved it. But and, and, and Paul, Paul, what's our number two article of all time? Uh, I don't remember. My my fucking fortune cookie article. <laughs> That's right, your fortune cookie article. For some well, reason. Now I'm fascinated. I want to know which article got you a lawyer message. Um, we wrote a a script review of the first GI Joe movie um, a year before the movie came out, and I don't think we would have heard from the lawyers if it wasn't such a negative review. Yeah. Um, but so we got a cease and desist from Paramount Pictures <laughs> because we quoted a portion of the script in one of the sentences. So, yeah. So it was probably a very accurate review of yes. the uh, if yeah. it was that negative. It was. Yes. The, the, you know, the movie didn't change at all from the script. But um, so he, you know, I've, I've been talking to him about Guardians of the Galaxy, and he's like, I, I don't care. He's like, I hope it fails. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> he, 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 Matt he, is he, dead to me, dead to yeah, me, Paul. He's had a very negative version. He's like, I hope it fails. He's like, Marvel. Why is Marvel putting out these Z grade characters? Who gives a shit? Well, he saw it last weekend, and he, despite his attempts to go in and hate it, he absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved the film. Um, but one thing, if you have tickets to an advanced screening, which I got tickets to an advanced screening on Tuesday, um, and I will not be going because none of the advanced screenings will have the post credit scene. See, I have I have tickets for one on Wednesday. I almost got to see it this last week, which would have been awesome. I'm just going to watch the post uh, credits thing on like YouTube. Oh, or I'll maybe, that's maybe part I'll, of the experience. I'm going to go see I'll it in IMAX 3D. Yeah, you've got you've got to see it in the theater when your bladder is about to burst and you're waiting for the credits. <laughs> you're waiting through the 15 minute long credit <laughs> sequence. Yes. Come on, craft services, hurry the fuck up! <laughs> I'm more interested in seeing the movie as soon as I possibly can, especially because I have a family reunion next weekend. So oh, that's right. I don't know when I'll be able to actually go see it. Otherwise, I, I'm, I'm debating Tuesday night. We'll see. I'd like to go see it, but if I go see it Tuesday night, I'll probably go see it again on Friday because um, I just I want to see that that post credit sequence. That's part of the experience for me. I am seeing it Friday morning. Yep, IMAX 3D. Yeah. I am. The last few post-credit scenes I've watched on movies haven't really been worth waiting there all that time. Nah, yeah. I don't know. This one it's, I hear. I mean, it, this is it, supposedly the post-credit sequence has the Nathan Fillion cameo, and I'm wondering who he's playing. Like, I don't know. I'll see. Uh, he, he, my, my brother did tell me what the Howard the Duck thing was, but okay. I won't spoil it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, um, so what do you think about this list, Aaron? Is there anything on, on this that you're not excited about? No, I'm <clears throat> I'm excited about all of these. Uh, and but I tell you what what I think about the list is that it is it is so it seems arrogant to me. Um, and that's one of the things I love about it. It is such an audacious calendar of events. Um, you know, that Marvel is saying, you know, this is how confident we are in what we do. This is how far we're planning out. Um, I, I, I'm really excited. I mean, I gotta tell you, I'm excited to see the Inhumans movie. Yeah. And that gives them five years to uh, get their shit straight on that Inhumans book. Well, and what I, what I like about that is that I got no preconceived notions about the Inhumans, not a single one. Marvel can do anything there. See, the one I'm most excited about is the Planet Hulk one, and you hit on something too, Aaron. The uh, that they can't do Silver Surfer, right? So that makes me interested in who they are going to put in that role, because the cartoon used Beta Ray Bill, right? Well, this is World and, War Hulk, not Planet Hulk. So I don't know that we'll oh, see. Oh, you're the outer right. Space it's Hulk. not Planet Hulk. You're you're absolutely right. I hadn't made that distinction. So, I'm still excited. I mean, yeah. Planet Hulk, I think, would be really good in the movie universe. Just uh, him versus everybody. Yeah, they, they need to they need to shoehorn a Planet Hulk movie in there. They do. Yeah. So exciting stuff. Guardians of the Galaxy. The subtitle is uh, the sequel. The subtitle is War of Kings. Yeah, that that's pretty exciting too. Yeah. No, there are things on here that I'm surprised aren't on here, like a Nova movie or. You know some of that stuff. Um, I know I, we've already known we were getting another Captain America. You know, it, I, Robert Downey Jr. is kind of hinting that he'd be okay with another Iron Man movie because he's enjoying <laughs> he is enjoying probably his paycheck for Avengers two. Well, and but you know if this is the schedule, twenty twenty would be the earliest they could do an Iron Man movie. I, you know, I, I mean, he's think... six years out from that. Yeah. Well, so I think this is a ten- – well, by the time this podcast releases, we'll know whether this is a, a realist or not. Right. Well, and let's face it, an Iron Man movie is a license to print money with him in it. So I think I think they would shoehorn it in. There would be another date added if they work out the details. I, yeah. That's just what I expect. Well, well, on top of this, I don't know if you guys heard about Spider-Man, um, the amazing Spider-Man movies. Yeah, I've uh, I've been hearing a lot of news about them, and you, the uh, the last movie didn't perform like they wanted it to, so now they're uh, they're reevaluating what they're going to do with all that. Are we yeah. going to reboot it again? No, 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 not like that. <laughs> not that type of reevaluation. I believe they're pushing uh, Amazing Spider-Man three to twenty eighteen, um, with uh, Sinister Six coming out in twenty sixteen. Hmm. So I mean, you know. I, if I were Sony, I would start having conversations with Marvel. I would too. About I, I, how best to integrate those universes. Because Spider-Man, you know, the, the last film, deservedly so, didn't do as well as they expected. You know, it, But it wasn't that good either. So hopefully, you know, they'll, they'll turn it around. But I, I think they uh, – I, I don't know if they have the right person in charge of that series. Well, and I've been hearing rumors that, uh, you know, Marvel doesn't have the rights to do – Spider-Man in the movie universe, but they have a lot of TV shows in the works. Yeah. And while there haven't been any rumors of a Spider-Man TV show, there have been rumors of the character making appearances on some of them. Hmm. That could be interesting. Well, speaking of Spider-Man, you know, uh, they had their uh, Dan Slott Spider-Verse panel 
uh, Friday, and they announced a couple of new books, including a Spider-Verse team-up and a book that I'm sure Wayne is very excited about, Scarlet Spiders. Oh, yeah. I uh, I read that article, and I'm like, they're writing this just for me. <laughs> it's So the basic concept, they're taking a mission. P- the regular Peter Parker Spider-Man is sending three clones on a mission to deal with a clone. You know, no word yet on what the clone is, but my expectation is that it's going to be a Spider Carnage clone. But they're basically they're taking the regular Scarlet Spider Kane. They're adding in Jessica Drew from the Ultimate Universe, and they're adding in a alternate reality Ben Riley. So when I first saw the character, my initial response, picture-wise, was, I really wish he was in the hoodie. But then I read the article, and the setup they've had for this, this Ben Riley, is a Ben Riley that made it. In his universe, when, when Peter started losing his abilities, he never got him back. Him and Mary Jane moved off to go raise their child, and he's been Spider-Man ever, ever since. So this is a Ben Riley that has grown, changed, evolved, and been Spider-Man ever since the Clone Saga. And I'm really interested in what they're going to do with that character for this miniseries. I could not be more excited about a tie. I think I'm going to end up buying a ton of stuff for Spider-Verse. But this is it's probably the book I'm most excited about coming out this year. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. And, you know, I know I've given Mark Bagley a hard time lately, but the Mark Bagley variant cover just kind of, you know, calls back to my childhood. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing Mark Bagley drawing Ben Riley just, just makes me happy inside. And I've always liked that Spider-Man costume. Mm-hmm. And I was having a conversation with someone uh, just yesterday about Ben Riley. And it's like, I know Ben Riley's a divisive character. I know the Clone Saga is a divisive story. But if you look at everything that was wrong with the Clone Saga, it wasn't Ben Riley's fault as a character. It was the fault of every time they do a clone story, they can't just do one clone character. They have to have a flood of clones and a lot of other bad writing that happened during that time frame. Ben Riley has always been a character that I've liked. I think he's been done very well in the past, and I, I've wanted new Ben Riley stories ever since they killed him. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about this story, and what I, what I hope will come out of this is that we'll see an ongoing Ben Riley alternate reality series. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. I would buy it. Yeah. I, I'm looking I forward to it as well. I, this, 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 you know, we've got, you know, an opposite gender clone in there. So, you know, I think there's going to be some wobbly H action going on. So, uh, well, and, you know, I don't think Ben Riley would hit that, but Kane, Kane would hit that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's the sad thing, Aaron, is you can't deny that either. Yeah, well, that's, that's fair. That's fair. Well, well, Speaking of Spider-Man sex, did you guys read Amazing Spider-Man number four this week? I did, and I've got problems with it. Well, I do too, but I'll let you go first. Well, you know, we meet uh, the other person who was at the the lab exhibit the day Peter Parker was bitten by the radioactive spider, and she too was bitten. And uh, Spider-Man frees her from her her basement, uh, you know, prison, and 
she creates herself a a a costume out of webbing. Wouldn't everything in the world stick to that? Wouldn't wouldn't you know she just <laughs> it like like flies like she just flies she, she swings yeah I mean wouldn't there just be just junk all over her because <laughs> you know she's got a costume made of webbing you think how dirty that would get how quickly it'd be filthy well it, but it goes away in an hour so it's good <laughs> it's organic there's no reason to think it'll go away in an hour oh good point but it does easily pull down when you want to reveal the mask without sticking to her face or pulling away a layer of skin huh yeah it, this it just seemed silly to me Paul. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> well, are, are, is that the only issue you had with the book? Yeah, pretty much. I, I had an issue with the, and I know it's an original Sentian, but I had an issue with how they tied it in. Just that, I, I just hate that scene from Original Sin where everyone gets like a flashback and then just walks away from the fight. I hate that we've seen it so many times. I hate that the original Sin stuff and all the tie-ins. Uh, in your regular books are eating up two and three pages of your story. You know, I just, I wish that they, that they would just open it up with, Oh, by the way, these guys were here and just go from there. Well, and I hate how he shows up. Yeah. He shows up late to the game and starts going from, instead of actually taking part in the fight or doing much, he's going from person to person explaining, Hey, Doc Ock was in my body. The Avengers put the word out about that already. Yeah. They've established the Avengers put the word out. Why does he need to go and talk to everyone about that? It just seemed silly. Yeah. I don't know. Like, the, I, I got a, Overall, I didn't care for this issue. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm excited about Morlun, Morlin being yeah. back. I always enjoyed that villain. Um, but the I ending like, kind of interested me. Yeah, as I, and I like how they're dealing with why we've never seen this character before. I liked Ezekiel as a character, and I do like that it's related to him. But what I don't like is here's someone else that got spider powers, and oh, look, they're faster than Peter, and they're better with their webbing because they've been practicing all this time. And here's all the ways that she's better than Peter, who's been doing this all this time. The one thing they gave him is that he's stronger than her. It's like... Why did he get the short bus of the spider powers when he's the guy we've been reading all this time? Because everyone else that gets bitten by the spider or is a clone of his gets enhanced and better powers. That's a story trope that I'm tired of seeing. Yeah, but at least that's when he's going to have sex with. That's something we haven't seen before. And that's well, but, true. But all, all of that spider webbing is going to stick to him, though. <laughs> Yeah, that's gonna be like Velcro down in his down there. You know, I'm just saying. Well, I hope he shaves then. <laughs> I, I'm just cringing at the idea of a webbing spider con. Well, and 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 along those lines, Paul. You know, she's been in that bunker for you know years and years and years. You know, she's if she she has not shaved her legs. Well, and you I think to differ ima- from the pictures. Well, I'm just saying. I, I it seems unlikely that she would be shaving. Well, I mean, she's in the bunker by herself, but she's obviously getting, you know, supplies delivered to her, watching the news. She knows all about him. I think we're we're thinking about it too much. <laughs> I think we're putting more thought into it than the writer did. Yes. Yeah. I, uh, I didn't like uh, Black Cat grabbing Anna Marie either. She didn't because, grab Anna Marie. She grabbed uh, Sajani, didn't she? Yeah, I didn't like her grabbing Sajani, but that's just because. Uh, I I've really enjoyed some of uh, Dan Slott's writing, but he's butchered Black Cat's character, 
So I want him to quit writing her. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious. I mean, that Electro Black Cat first couple of issues. Oh, looks like they come back in next issue. I was about to say that went nowhere. Well, it comes back next issue. So I don't know. Yeah, I want that storyline to. I just want that storyline to be done because it's obvious to me that Dan Slott doesn't know how to write Black Cat and shouldn't write her. He needs to stick with some of these other storylines that he's done a better job with. Yeah. Well, the Silk thing took me off guard. You know, the the, the way that story, uh, you know, ended the issue. So I, I, I'm I'm still on board, and of course I'm staying through Spider Verse. Oh yeah, I am so excited about Spider Verse. I have uh, I have theories about things that'll tie in with Spider Verse, and I, I will say uh, if Spider Verse wasn't coming up though, I'd probably start dropping Amazing Spider Man. I, I agree. I haven't loved this, uh, you know. I haven't. Know. I haven't liked it near as much as I like Superior Spider-Man. Well, have you guys noticed a trend that the issues between some of the big crossovers, we start to talk about how it's not as good. It's like Dan Slott kind of goes on autopilot, setting up threads leading up to his big events. Yeah, and, then and he I does see really these are well. threads. I mean, you could see the threads of what's leading up to Spider Verse, but I just want to read Spider Verse. Yeah. <laughs> Well, this week, you know, despite just being San Diego Comic-Con, this Wednesday, um, July 23rd, was also Batman Day, celebrating the 75th anniversary of the Caped Crusader. Um, Barnes & Noble and, you know, uh, all those big bookstores, as well as comic shops and libraries, um, participated in, in Batman Day this week. And so I went to my local comic shop. Did you guys go to a comic shop for Batman Day? I did not. I went to a comic shop because I already go to comic shops to pick up my books. And then I went to a Barnes and Noble as well for Batman Day. Hmm. Um, so, you know, Batman Day, some of the giveaways included a mask. Like they had a multiple versions of Batman mask. They had a Greg Capullo one. They had a Frank Miller one. Um, you know, classic Batman. Up, yeah, I picked up the Adam West one. I picked up the Capullo one. They also had a special edition Detective Comics number 27 that we'll talk about here in a second. Um, they had some special edition Batman Day bags. I mean, it was just it was it was a pretty cool concept. My, yeah, one my of the comic cool shop, things I thought. Oh, okay. Sorry. One of the things I thought was cool that Barnes and Noble did was they had a table set out with Batman trivia for kids, oh, and nice. it was for drawings. And they had a bunch of Batman like T-shirts and other, uh, you know, other just like Batman toys and stuff. And uh, one of the – they had different categories. You could either do regular riddles. You could do Batman trivia. Or one of them was all riddles that came from the Adam West TV show. Oof. And it's like, why Why is this just for kids? I could answer these. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> Give the kids a chance, Wayne. My uh, My comic shop actually had Batman cupcakes. I was pretty excited about that. So, you know, the, the it, it, pretty cool idea, and they put out, like I said, this special edition, Detective Comics 27. Now, earlier this year, we read the oversized Detective Comics 27 that we paid for. Um, <laughs> and so – I think we paid a premium for it if I yeah, recall. I believe it was eight bucks because it was 100 pages or something along those lines. Now, what this issue collected was the original – uh, Batman story from Detective Comics 27, the case of the Chemical Syndicate. It also collected the um, the remake that they did, that Brian Hitch and Brad Meltzer did in uh, 
Brad Meltzer, right? Yeah, Brad Meltzer did in this year's Detective Comics 27, as well as the Scott Snyder um, future Batman story from Detective 27, and a preview of an upcoming, uh, I guess, graphic novel reimagining the original Detective Comics 27 by Brad Meltzer and Chip Kidd. And so, you know, all this is stuff that Aaron and I, you know, we, we talked about when the original book came out, but this was, I mean, mostly new to you, Wayne, did, it wasn't it? Yeah, I don't think I'd read any of this. And uh, I, I did you say Brad Meltzer wrote the uh, the future story? No, that was no, Scott, Scott Snyder. Snyder. Sorry. That's why I wanted to make sure that uh, I wasn't sure which one you said. It sounded like you said Meltzer wrote it, but yeah, it was definitely Scott Snyder that wrote it. I didn't care for the future story at I all. Loved that story. Love it. But <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed everything else in here. I enjoyed this uh, reimagining. That they'd have at the end, the preview there. Did you really? I, I thought that looked terrible. <laughs> it's very stylized. I think it's going to be very divisive. Yeah, I just – I don't know about it. I mean it's just – Aaron, did you check it out? I did. I did. I, I it just I, I, like I, zoom-ins on the panels. And... Yeah. I didn't, I didn't care for uh, the teaser that we got on there, but you know, having read the, the previous content – you know, I I dug what Brad Melter was doing in his piece with Brian Hitch. The the you know as as usual, Brian Hitch artwork's a little hit and miss with me. Yeah, there were some panels of that that I liked, and others that I was like, ugh. But yeah, I enjoyed this remake of the uh, the case of the Chemical Syndicate, and how it's uh, it's basically a Joker origin. I uh, I my only complaint about the book is that. I paid a whole lot of money for that book earlier in the year, and it it kind of enrages me a little that it's being given away. <laughs> that makes me even more happy that I got it for free and didn't well, pay for it. Aaron, to Sir. be fair, the free one cuts out all the shitty stories and all. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. I mean, the, the the what they gave away for free is the parts that I thought were worthwhile. You know, yeah, and so and, and absent all the crap that was that was also in that book. Well, I was surprised by how much I really enjoyed the original Detective Twenty Seven in here. The because uh, it's obviously a dated story. It's uh, the art is obviously dated, but occasionally I get a kick out of reading some of these just to see where the characters came from, and some of them. You know, some of the stories when you look back at that time frame just don't hold up and they're really bad. But I really enjoyed this. Yeah, I, I love that, that original story. You know, and I don't know if they included ads in the digital copy, but they uh, in, on the inside front cover of the print copy, they have this thing called Batman A Visual History. And it's, you know, it's one of those uh, DK hardcover all oversized hardcover, gorgeous-looking yeah. books, and I really want it. But the problem with those is that they're outdated pretty much the second you buy them. Oh yeah, absolutely. You yeah. know, like I'm, I'm sure it has everything up through, probably not even up through zero year, probably up through death of the family. It's like yeah. picking up a copy of the Handbook to the Marvel Universe. It's out of print the moment you get it. Yeah, I've got a couple of big books like this that I've gotten really cheap after they were outdated, which is they're nice additions to my uh, bookshelf, like the uh, the history of DC, the Superman history. Yeah. And some of those that are they're very outdated, but they're still beautiful books. And I got them for dirt cheap because of how old and outdated they were. Yeah, and that's probably what'll happen. I'll wait till it goes on Barnes and Noble clearance before I pick it up. But it's a shame, you know. I love those books, but they're just, uh, you know, they're 
they're, they're like you said, they're outdated as soon as you get them. So speaking of Batman and uh, Batman Day, did you guys see they've released the trailer for the video game for Lego Batman Three? I have. I uh, I watched it and I am tentatively excited. I enjoy the Lego series a lot. The last Lego Batman, I've said it many times before, I think it's one of the best Superman games I've ever played. And this one, it doesn't look like it's going to be much of a Batman game because it's going to be basically the Justice League. And it's going to be a lot of fighting in space. I'm hoping they've learned some things from Lego Marvel. Because the last Lego Batman, the biggest problem with it is finding your way from mission to mission. Gotham's layout didn't really make a lot of sense, and the maps weren't very good, and they fixed all of that in Lego Marvel. So I'm pretty excited about uh, about the trailer. Yeah, I think it looks great. I'm sure I'll pick it up when it comes out, especially if there's some type of exclusive edition. Like, did you see... I don't want to get us too far off topic, but did you see the, um, the, uh, the upcoming Disney Infinity Marvel Superhero Special Edition? Yeah, I did. It's making me think about getting Disney Infinity. Oh, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. But, um, you know, sticking with Batman, a couple of Batman books came out this week, including the finale of Zero Year, a Batman number 33 from Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo, and Aaron. <clears throat> Are you wanting my thoughts on this? Is that what you're asking? Well, I was I, I was going to go I was I was going to give you a thought real quick. Okay. I'm 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 disappointed that the scene on the cover is never in the book. Yeah. I'm actually rather upset about that cuz it's a badass cover of Batman standing next to two lions. Yeah, like with you know, the broken the you know Riddler's scepter or, you know, staff or whatever broken in half in his hands and he's using them as weapons. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that the cover looks badass. I wish the book had been yeah, so talk to me. Well, you know, the Zero Year story, I think, has been been plagued by a couple of things. I think the story was too long, and I think it had too many interruptions. Um, by the time we got to issue 33 of the finale, um, I, uh, I didn't care anymore. <laughs> you know, and the this sprawling, you know, uh, trap that the Riddler has for Batman, and he's got to answer these riddles, I didn't care. Um, I, I was just like, this This has taken too long, you know, where I really think that the story hit its high point was, you know, Batman fighting uh, the guy up on the Zeppelin, you know, when they were up in the in the Yeah, blimps. Doctor – was it Doctor Death, I think? I, I think that's his name, the, the bone guy. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I thought that's where the story really reached its high point, and I really think that's where the story should have wrapped up. You know, they should have figured out a way to, to do that as opposed to this ridiculous, you know, Riddler story. Um, I, I, I just could not bring myself to care uh, for the last couple of issues of this storyline. That said, I think there is an awfully sweet moment at the end of the book uh, between yeah. uh, Bruce and Alfred. And, you know, just kind of seeing Alfred's uh, wishes for Bruce. You know, mm-hmm. what, what what he hopes Bruce's life would and could be versus what it actually is and Alfred's commitment to Bruce. I think that that I think those moments were really good. And Scott Snyder has really demonstrated an ability to uh, ping that relationship uh, awfully effectively. But the uh, the uh, remainder of the story, I just I, I couldn't bring myself to care. And I think that Scott Snyder um, 
is a little too verbose. When you've got an, an artist like Greg Capullo who so brilliantly illustrates your book, you need to start cutting your words. And there are pages of this book that are just walls of text. Yeah. And, and I'm just like, you know, you don't need that. You know, less is more in, in, when you've got a, an, an illustrator of this caliber. Um, and and th- there are just these panels where he is crowding the panels with all of this dialogue that's really irrelevant. In fact, that there, there's that great scene uh, between Commissioner Gordon and Bruce. And really what he should have allowed Capullo to do is draw that scene as opposed to telling us about it. Agreed. You know what I'm saying? Um because it's just it's very talky, it's very wordy, and it's it's reads more like a novel than a comic book. And you know, I'm like Scott Snyder, go go write your damn novel if that's what you want to do. Let's let's have the medium work as the medium's supposed to work. So th- those are my thoughts about Batman Year Zero. I, I think that what they tried to do is create you know something on par with Batman Year One and The Dark Knight Returns, and they did not do that because no. the story was too bloated, too slow to come out. And uh, really needed a a heavier hand in the editing. Well, and I will say the story was two thirds good. I liked yeah. the first arc. I liked the second arc. The third arc was overkill. Um, and I understand that it was all building to this Riddler thing, but it just it as an as a year long story that the 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 it kind of petered out. Yeah. And I know they tried their best. I mean, and, and you know you've got you know jets about to you know assault Gotham City and. You know, the city's out of power and it's overgrown and it's like almost post-apocalyptic. And, you know, I get that. They, but it just didn't feel that epic to me. Well, and I mean, I <laughs> the solution to bomb Gotham City seems, I don't know. <laughs> Excessive. <laughs> little, yeah. And I'm just like, it, it just seemed over the top. And I know that Batman stories tend to be over the top, but that shouldn't have been the U.S. government's response. You know? Yeah. I, it just it just seemed a little ridiculous to me, and that again, that's part of the reason why I just didn't care. The stakes did not seem anything near threatening enough. Um, you know, I, I think that you know, of course, we know that they don't bomb Gotham City, so it really kind of takes those stakes out of the game. What they should have done is they they should have introduced elements that could have been a genuine risk for the reader, so that you actually cared. Because I didn't. Yeah, well, and then you had this bit with Bruce Wayne supposedly going to get his mind wiped at some point in his life yeah. shock just, treatment yeah shock, it came out of nowhere yeah I yeah mean, it came out of nowhere in this issue yeah you, I, you hadn't seen any reference to it at any other point in the series and so you know he thinks about it as he's about to uh electrocute himself and he thinks back to that moment hey remember when i was going to shock treatment myself out of my personality i mean there it to make that have any weight you needed to tease that in the first and second arcs yeah you needed to have us going what the hell were they talking about but i mean it just shows up out of nowhere yeah it was it was too much and you know so sadly zero year is not i don't believe the uh, seminal batman story that they were hoping it would be not bad i mean i didn't hate zero year but i'm looking forward to us you know, getting to a, a uh, you know, getting back to current Batman storyline, maybe some shorter stories. Yeah. Well, and I mean, to to indicate my my level of dissatisfaction with it, I won't be picking it up in hardcover. Yeah, nor I. You know, it won't be on my shelf. Um, I, I, and you know, there were there were elements that I liked, but not it, it was not a satisfying satisfying conclusion. So, 
Anyway, you know, Alfred brings that uh, that that you know, old classmate of Bruce's to to meet him at the end of the book. Yeah, and Julie she's Madison. Just, she's just cute as she can be. Yeah, I yeah, love I mean, that. Yeah, she she is. She's just as cute as she can be. Poor Bruce. He doesn't know what he missed out on. <laughs> yeah, he didn't. But but I think Alfred knows. Yeah, I think yeah. Alfred's gonna hit it. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure he does. That's what that <laughs> smile is at the end of the book. Exactly. <laughs> but Master Bruce has already called for it. But I'm single. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, Batman and Robin 33, sticking with Batman, also came out this week, continuing the Robin Rises storyline. And gotta say, one thing that DC does that bugs me is that they'll put, you know, Robin Rises number one came out last week, right. but on this book they put Robin Rises chapter one, and I hate that. It's it's part two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it was Robin Rises Omega, uh, yeah. book, right? Yeah, but that's just annoying. No, it is annoying. I mean, why not just title them all? Why don't you number them all appropriately? Because you can't just pick up this book. Yeah. But um, how cool, how cool, Paul, is the Hellbat? Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> I mean, that is so cool. I saw that, and I'm like, I have to own that right now. I need the toy. I need it now. Now, Paul. Now. <laughs> <laughs> the Hellbat is so awesome. Batman and the Justice League have constructed a suit of armor for Batman the ne- for the next time Darkseid and the, the troops from Apocalypse come to town. And so you've got, you know... It was forged in the heart of a of the sun by Superman with help from Green Lantern and Wonder Woman and Cyborg. And so, you know, they had created the suit of armor so that he would be able to stand up to these other super powered aliens. Oh, my God. The Hellbat looks crazy. Yeah, it's awesome. And this book was awesome. I loved this issue. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed Robin Rises Omega. I know I wasn't on the show to talk about it, but I enjoyed that book. But, you know, on top of that, now you've got I, – I, I like when Batman gets one over on the Justice League. Yeah. And that's what all this issue is about. It's Batman basically versus the Justice League. But, you know, it's not – he's not doing it just to be an asshole. He's doing it to get his son back. And I love at the end, you know, he has a conversation with Superman and then he goes down to the cave and it's his family. Yeah. And he's like, let's go to Apocalypse. And yeah. that's just awesome. It's like Batman it's, – it's – He's, he's scrapping the superhumans, and he's taking a bunch of humans with him to assault Apocalypse to get his son's body back. Yeah. Love that. Well, and, you know, we had we had started to believe that Batman was past his crazy obsession with Damien, you know, in, in the earlier issues. But now that there is a glimmer of hope that he can not just re- recover his son's body, but resurrect his son, he's back to crazy-ass Batman. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm curious about that. Where does the hope for resurrecting him come in? Because I know I flipped through, uh, you know, Robin Rises Omega, and on the last page he had said, I'm going to bring Damien back, and I'm going to bring him back alive. There is the uh, – there's a couple of different elements. One, he's seen a future with Damien in it, and uh, the uh, Chaos Shard – I think that I'm, I'm referring to that correctly uh, – appears to have some ability to uh, – uh, resurrect exactly beyond so, the Lazarus pit. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, <laughs> I just, I love, you know, Batman's pretty freaking crazy. And so, you know, what does Frankenstein do? He walks off the field. That's awesome. I was here last time he was crazy. I'm not going to be here this time. <laughs> Where are you going anywhere? But here he says, <laughs> kind of kills me <laughs> I, just, I just thought it was that frankenstein scene where he's like 
you guys. You guys are yeah. effed up. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. He walks off without his arm. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get another one. Yeah, that's right. That's right. There's more arms where that came from. I love this book. The The artwork is just brilliant on it. Um, the uh, Batman and Robin series has really been very strong. And uh, I just I want Patrick Gleason drawn Batman all the time. I just I love his He's Batman. He's so good. He is. He is so good. And I love the way he draws the Justice League. I love – I mean I, there is not a character here that I don't just thoroughly enjoy the way he renders them. You know, he makes – I know that our Superman now is a very young man, but he makes Superman look, look you know, elder statesmanly. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there is a maturity to his Superman that you don't see in the other books. And I know that that's just, you know, artist whimsy, but man, I do enjoy seeing it on the page. Agreed. Yeah, he's a fantastic artist. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I don't did you, want did you notice spit curl on Superman? I did notice. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about Superman. So we finally got a trailer for that Death of Superman Lives uh, documentary that we kickstarted about a year and a half ago. You know, Paul, every time I get an email or some kind of notification from that guy, I, it always I always respond the same way. Motherfucker. <laughs> Because he can't send a notice that he's not asking for money because he's still asking for finishing funds. He's given us the trailer now, which was awful, by the way. Um, but you know, now he, he's still asking for, yeah, yeah, you know, did the Kickstarter and thank you for the Kickstarter. But now I need more money. Please, please, please throw more good money after bad. Yeah, basically. That, I mean, that's so he, he releases this trailer and I'm sorry you didn't like it. I, I actually enjoyed the trailer. I mean, now, don't get me wrong. It is a. A very amateurish trailer. Oh, that's what I hated about it. I mean, he there is nothing there to demonstrate his art as a documentarian. Agreed. You know, it is it is it it, it is very much of I set a camera up in a room and look, I'm just talking to a guy as opposed to demonstrating his ability to get to the heart of the story. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it just seems like here's a bunch of interviews all in a row. Right. But that being said, I enjoyed all the footage from the trailer stuff I'd never seen before. Right. Of that, you know, of that film, which is what I was hopeful for out out of that film. Yeah. Film's going to suck, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) If you if we ever get it, the film will suck, by the way. I I was actually surprised to see that he actually had Kevin Smith on video. Yeah. I wasn't convinced that that had happened yet. Well, and I'm excited to see – I'm excited about that because I'm curious to see if Tim Burton will talk about his relationship with Kevin Smith and if Kevin Smith will talk about his relationship with Tim Burton. Uh, You know, I am sure that he probably has lots of footage of Kevin Smith talking because, you know, I don't think you can really interview Kevin Smith. I think he's just going to – he's just going to dump a load of verbiage on you. Yes. You know, because that's just the way he is. I mean, you ask him a question and he goes on for 15 minutes, literally. Um, That's the funny thing because he's actually a really good interviewer. No, he's like when he's interviews the other people. He's great, yeah. but when he's being interviewed, he, he like you say, he dumps information. Yeah, he dominates. I mean, if you've listened to him on, I've listened to him on comic book panels, and nobody else can get a word in edgewise. Um, so I am sure, but you know, he's not holding back information. Uh, you know, so while he is dumping information, it's a lot of information, it's stuff you want to know. Um, so I'm sure he talked about his you know dysfunctional relationship with Tim Burton. Um, I doubt real seriously that you got any of that from Tim Burton, though, because the guy doesn't strike me as a real documentarian. No, but, you know, it, we would do a better job. No, I but, agree. But that being said, all the, the you know, the, the costumes and 
and the you know some of the the test footage that they showed. Love that. Love that. I, I hope the film has more of that, and I'm actually really excited about the fact that he's talking to Tim Burton about it. Um, you know, from what I hear, I mean, this film was damn near ready to just going into production before it got scrapped. So, I mean, it seems like there is a lot of stuff for us to see, and that's that's what excites me about it. Yeah. But hopefully, we got you know we gave our money to the right guy. It doesn't seem like it so far. <laughs> yeah, all evidence uh, suggests that perhaps we threw money in the street. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know, speaking of Superman, did you check out? Well, you checked out Superman Thirty Three this week, right? I did. So, second issue of the John Romita Jr. Jeff Johns storyline, and uh, you know, it's funny because I've been looking at pictures coming out of Comic Con, and so it's you know, you got the DC guys all hanging out together. So you've got uh, Grant Morrison, Jim Lee, Dan DiDio, Scott Snyder, Jeff Johns, and now John Romita Jr. standing with them. I mean, in like a ton of pictures, and it's just like this odd. Is that who is that? Is that John Romita Jr. <laughs> St- standing with Dan DiDio and Jeff Johns? It's it's an unusual experience, but it's cool. So uh, you know, we 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 enjoyed you know with issues Superman number thirty two. Uh, I think there was more we liked than we didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so number thirty three is the second part of this Ulysses storyline, continuing the, the the alternate, you know, the story of the human who was sent to the alternate dimension and and has come back super heroic, kind of similar situation to Clark Kent. So what do you think of issue thirty three? Let's start with the cover. Badass. Cover's awesome. The cover is fan freaking tastic. I mean, I just absolutely love the cover. Um, I again, Wayne, do you want to go first? Wayne didn't read I it. didn't read this. Oh, you didn't read this. I'm sorry. I thought you did. Okay, so I'll go then. <laughs> um, there are pages that I really enjoy the art, and there are pages that I really hate the art. Um, I find John Romita Jr.'s current style to be wildly uneven, as we've discussed previously. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, I'm really enjoying the story. There um, are plenty of places where his art did work, though. I, I, I thought I, there were some scenes that were ex- expertly done. I would agree that there there are scenes that uh, that work really well. Um, I, I was amused by one scene in particular. Um, Ulysses is in his superhero costume and he's at Clark Kent's apartment while Superman's off researching something. And he decides that he needs to put on some normal people clothes, so he borrows an outfit from Clark okay. and goes walking around town. And that panel of him walking around town, I can hear in the background, you know, you can tell by how he walks. He's a woman's man. No time to talk. You, know, <laughs> you got the Bee Gees going on in the background. I mean, it, he's very much got that John Travolta swagger as he's walking uh, around town. Well, and it, it cracks me up because, you know, he's still got the, like, four-foot-long ponytail. right. But he's trying to go inconspicuous just by throwing on some clothes. No one will notice who I am. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I, I really need – I need for John Romita Jr. to stop doing some of the things that he does. Um, Like there is a – there is a panel with Ulysses and Superman flying and Superman's just kind of hunched over as he's flying. Yeah. and I just I, – I, and he did that over in Marvel, so it's not – this is not a characteristic that he's applying to Superman. It's the same way he would have you know, Iron Man flying or Thor flying. I mean it was just it, – it doesn't look correct. You know, um, There is a scene where uh, Superman has reunited Ulysses with his birth parents, 
and he's standing in the most unnatural pose when you're looking at him full shot. You know, he's he's he, he looks like a mannequin. He doesn't look like a person. But when he does the close up on his face, I think that's beautifully done. So you've got mm. these two panels right next to each other. The one on the left doesn't work at all in terms of Superman, but the, because he just looks so wooden, so artificial, so so not a living organic being. But when you look at the one on the right, he is so human. Wait, are you talking about the one on the patio of Ulysses' parents? Yes, I like that panel because he seems like he's he's being shy. Like Superman just seems like he's shy, being shy in that moment while Ulysses is hugging his parents. He doesn't – to me, he doesn't look like he's being shy. He looks like he's bizarro. Well, I mean maybe – and that, see, that's what I got out of it, that he was just being like shy and awkward. And I, and I get that, but I mean the – he I, <laughs> he doesn't look – he doesn't look like a, a, a living being who's shy. He looks like a statue. I mean I just don't think it works, but you see that, that the expression on his face – is all the panels on the right on that page work? Uh-huh. The big page, the big panel on the left does not. I don't. Know. I'm gonna have to disagree with you on that because that was one of my favorite panels of the book. You can disagree all you want, Paul, but you would be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I actually really enjoyed that panel. Yeah, I haven't even seen it, but I'll just side with Aaron because uh, thank you, Wayne. <laughs> the Ramita art is one of the reasons I didn't get the book. Now, I, I, I think the Ramita art, like, I, I agree with Aaron that it's uh, it's uneven. I do, I, I think Jeff Johns got a little wordy in the Daily Planet scenes. I mean, there's one oh, panel yeah. with uh, Clark Kent and Perry talking, and as soon as I flipped the page and saw it, uh, well, you know, as soon as I pressed the screen and that page come <laughs> up, came up, I was like, are you, are you fucking kidding me? There are yep. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine panels, or nine word balloons in one panel. It just seemed yeah. excessive. Well, and it, again, like in the Scott Snyder Batman book, it's a wall of text. Yeah. It's way, way too much text just crowding the art. But in this case, because I, you know, I, I so often find that the artwork wasn't working, I was fine with it covering up the art. Yeah. Well, and I, I enjoyed the. Uh, I mean, going back to the art real quick, the every shot of Superman investigating the Ulysses Research Lab. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Oh yeah, absolutely. Beautiful sequence. In fact, so the wordless pages are some of the best. I would agree. Um, but I, I, I enjoyed the book. And, you know, Jeff Johns, even though this is a story we've seen multiple times before, and some of the scenes are scenes we've seen before in other books, um, I'm enjoying it. it, it it's, it's funny because it's very similar to the, the Silk story in Spider-Man. You know, it's someone else with the same powers and the same background as me. Um, I don't think Superman and Ulysses are going to go at it. But, oh no, I think they are. I think that's the next issue. But but I do like that, you know, Jeff Johns is basically saying, okay, you know, New Fifty Two Superman isn't working, but we've already established that, you know, there are certain things. You know, Superman's parents are dead, and I, I have to work within those confines. But I'm gonna kind of undo as much as I possibly can. Like the last panel is someone overlooking, you know, Superman reuniting Ulysses with his family, and he right. goes, "You have to be alone, Clark, for now." Like. Yeah. You know, I, like we'll establish some type of supporting cast in it. There's a scene where you know, there uh, Clark Kent walks into this into the room, and a fellow reporter goes to Lois Lane and goes, "Wow, he's uh, it's kind of hot, isn't he?" And <laughs> Lois goes, "Yeah, he is." Like you know, they're they're kind of reestablishing the the Lois Lane dynamic as well. Right. And so, pretty. I, I, and you know, you've got Jimmy Olsen as a photographer. It just, I don't know. It's cool. I, I'm uh. I, I like what Jeff Johns is doing, and uh, it's making me happy. 
Well, as long as we're making you happy, Paul. Well, really, I'm the only one that they care about. Clearly. You know what else makes me happy? What's that, Paul? Comixology has not just announced but already launched DRM-free, digitally distributed comics. Um, distributed comics. Uh, now, of course, it's not you – know, you can download them in PDF or CBZ, and of course, it's not all companies. But participating publishers already include Image Comics, Dynamite Entertainment, Xenoscope, Monkey Brain, Thrillbrent, Thrillbent, and Top Shelf Productions. Um, submit creators and small publishers are now able to choose to make their books available DRM-free. So, you know, not only do you have the Comixology Guided View, you can also download PDF and CB, CBZs of your comic books. Yeah, and they refer to them as backups. Uh, Correct. But I, I am crazy excited about this, and I really do. I think it's a matter of time before Marvel and DC jump on. Well, the one really legitimate complaint people have had up till now about digital comics is that even though you're buying the book, you're basically renting it. Right. Because if Comixology ever goes out of business, suddenly you don't – you know, yeah. you don't have it anymore. But now with this news announcement, and if the big two kind of get on board too, that's not an issue anymore. Yeah, it's it's huge, and I would expect that that Marvel and DC will will accommodate something there. Uh, there'll be too much pressure. I, the, but I, I am so excited. I mean, I've got a lot of uh, dynamite books uh, that I, I'll be backing up here shortly. Yeah, same here. Um, you know, image we already get PDFs for, but. You know, some of that stuff is just, you know, as a consumer, that's what I want. You know, I want right. the ability, you know, I want to read it on Comixology, but, you know, par, you know, it's it's just part of me just really wants to download the damn thing and put it on my external hard drive just in case. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I want to I want to be able to archive it, you know, and and know that if, uh, you know, something awful happens to Comixology, I've still got my books. Yeah. So I, I'm, I am really excited about this. I think this is huge. And I think that, you know. Anybody with an open mind will see that the easier you make it uh, for people to to buy your product and to feel safe about the product reduces piracy. So, I, you know, I, I, I there are some people on the Internet goes, well, I'm sure does make pirating a whole lot easier. I'm like, yeah, but, you know, the thing is, is that once you make it easy to buy and you and you solve that problem of and I'm renting this, I'm not owning this. People will just buy it, <laughs> especially yeah. if you could buy it right there in the app. Right. You yeah. don't have to go to the store now. That they haven't fixed yet, which I was hopeful that we would get an announcement. But, you know, weekend's not over yet. Right. So, we'll so I haven't checked. Is that uh, – does the Android app let you still buy in the app? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It, so it, I'm, it's an, it's I still app. remain completely unaffected by what Aaron Bitch is about. Correct. Okay. <laughs> Correct, Wayne. I just wanted to point that out. Thank you, Wayne. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, it, it continues to be a drama between Amazon and Apple. Yeah, well, you know, one of the first Dynamite books, well, probably not because it's a couple months away, but one of the Dynamite books that I'll be backing up, surely, will be the upcoming John Carter Warlord of Mars series Ooh. from Ron Mars. Very exciting. Very exciting. You know, we talked Very to exciting. we talked to Ron Mars a, uh, a while back on uh, our Adventures of Super, or on our Superman show, and he had mentioned this book, or he had mentioned that he had things in the works, and um you know th this was one of them and he's he was very excited about it and so now that it's been officially announced uh i'm i'm really looking forward to the series yeah and i'm sure we can look forward to another uh, conversation with ron mars uh you know and perhaps we'll have uh, john carter warlord of mars with aaron and Paul polly and ron you know right well you know what <laughs> if, if you you got ron mars on john carter you've got jeff parker on flash gordon 
all, all you need is like I don't know a Mark Wade or, or someone. Remember Jeff Parker drawing a or, you know writing a Phantom book, uh-huh. and 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 I'll I'll be happy. I'll Dynam- and again, it's all about making Paul happy. It is all about making Paul happy. <laughs> so Dynamite, get on that. Make me happy. Well, it's also a little bit about making me happy, apparently, because yesterday, uh, Boom Studios and IDW Publishing announced a classic Planet of the Apes and Trek original series crossover event. I know when I when I saw this news, Aaron, my first thought was that sounds horrible. Aaron's going to love it. Oh, my God. (laughs) I am. I am so tickled. And they've got a fantastic team. They got the Tiptons doing the doing the uh, crossover. And they're the same guys that did the next generation Doctor Who crossover that uh, was extremely well done. So I, I I am giddily excited about this. You know, you're going to have, uh, you know, Taylor and Nova and Cornelius and Zira, uh, you know, alongside uh, traditional Captain Kirk, Mr. Spock, Dr. McCoy. I, I can't wait for the opportunity that, for Dr. McCoy to uh, be in the the, uh, the uh, medical clinics on, 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 on Planet World, uh, on, <laughs> on Planet World, on Ape World, uh, you know, be, you know to, to see him just, you know balk at the barbarism of their their medical practices i just i cannot wait for this book so the press release for this the uh the first couple lines have you ever wondered what it would be like to mind meld with a sentient ape or wanted to see a klingon on horseback brandishing a rifle (laughs) and already your wife has checked out hasn't she (laughs) i i can honestly say read those two my answer to both was no no i haven't I, I, I am I'm so ready for this book. I need this book right now. Oh, See, Kirk. this reminds me of the X-Men Star Trek crossover they did a while back. Things I just don't need to see. I like both properties. I don't need them together. But Wayne, Kirk has to have sex with one of the apes. Absolutely. Yeah. It's got to happen. That, you know, I think that would have redeemed the uh, Marky Mark Planet of the Apes movie. If he had actually had sex with the Helena Bonham Carter ape. Exactly. And why wouldn't you have sex with Helena Bonham Carter ape? Why wouldn't you, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, sure, she's going to be a little needy and clingy the next day. But, you know, I mean, I, I think you got to do that. Yeah, well, she's got to, you know, shoot up before. But... <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I think of Helena Bonham Carter, all I think of is Fight Club. So. Well, and, and isn't she with Tim Burton? Because I have this feeling that Tim likes to watch. <laughs> 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 he's gonna video. T- he's gonna record it, and then you know, <laughs> you know, cut it together, and it'll be all dark and grim and gritty. Well, and it'll be part of his, uh, you know, documentary commentary in uh, Death of Superman Lives. You'll just see it playing in the background while he's talking to uh, the guy. That's <laughs> uh, <it's> hard. <laughs> well, I know you are excited about that crossover. What I'm excited about is another announcement out of Comic Con um, from IDW. Which is that – oh, no, I'm sorry. Not from IDW. Um, actually, I don't know who the hell is actually producing this. I don't think it's one of their artist editions, but I'm pretty sure it's just going to be DC. Um, is that the Walt Simonson New Gods run uh, is going to be collected in a giant size omnibus edition. And I am stoked about this. You know how much I love the New Gods. And the Walt Simonson stuff is – you know, it's basically a remake of the the Jack Kirby stuff, just more mo- with more modern storytelling. Right. And uh, – just some, there was some really good stuff in there. Um, I, I think John Byrne had a hand in. Uh, I don't know if he did some of the writing or just some of the art, or I think he did some of the writing as well. 
But regardless, I'm I'm really excited about that book. Yeah, yeah, I, I actually am too. I uh, I've been on a Jack Kirby kick lately, and uh, I, I I'm I'm interested in seeing that and having that on the shelf. But I you know I have to tell you what I was less interested in, Paul, is IDW's Ragnarok number one by Walt Simonson. Why? I'm not. I've been looking forward to this book. We've been looking forward to this book. Yeah, I uh, I was looking forward to it. I did not enjoy the book. I, I thought it was beautifully drawn. I thought it was it was it did not have a compelling story. I thought it was a very generic story. Um, I will say the art. I, I agree. The art was gorgeous, especially the the actual Ragnarok that they show. Right. You know, with the the giant the tempest and all that stuff. Loved that stuff. But the story yeah. itself was yeah. I mean, the story was a little lackluster. Yeah. I will probably still pick up issue two. I'm not sure that I will. Maybe I'll wait I, for the hardcover because this seems like something I'll enjoy in hardcover. And, and you're absolutely right. You know, this this uh, story tells the story in the days after the Twilight of the Gods, and uh, you know, it's you know very much a post-apocalyptic tale uh, set in a in a landscape of Norse mythology. And you know, Simonson can draw the hell out of a book. I just it did not grab me in terms of storytelling, in terms of what's going on. Um, I, I just I'm not jazzed about it yet. And maybe maybe it'll get cooler as it goes on. Some of the it, images were amazing, uh, but uh, I just the the there wasn't enough meat on the bone for me. Hmm. Well, I'm sorry to hear that you didn't care for it. I uh, I enjoyed it enough that I think I will ultimately pick it up, but I think it is a bi-monthly series, and i got to tell you, bi-monthly just is the kiss of death when it comes to me. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. And, you know, maybe, maybe you know, after it's all collected, maybe it's something that, that reads better all in one sitting versus, uh, you know, on a, you know, uh, bi-monthly release schedule. Um, it just it just didn't grab me in the the twenty some pages that were there. It should have it, there should have been something there that said okay I'm in and I, I just never got that. Hmm. Well, well, so this brings us to the suicide pact <laughs> portion of the show. Yes. Because uh, I was informed via Instagram this week that I needed to read Star Spangled War Stories number one. Featuring the premiere of G.I. Zombie, Paul. Featuring the premiere of G.I. Zombie. Um, I know the art was by Bo Hampton. Do you remember who uh, who did the writing on it? Uh, yeah, Jimmy Palmiotti and Justin Gray. Oh, really? Okay. So I picked this book and, up. And did you say Bo Hampton? It was Scott Hampton. Who did oh, Scott Hampton. I'm sorry. Um, there is a Bo Hampton, though, isn't there? Beats hell out of me. Not on this book. Not on this book, <laughs> but in general, I believe there is a Bo Hampton. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Justin Gray, Jimmy Palmiotti, cover by Darwin Cook, art by Scott Hampton. And, you know, in a week of, uh, of really outstanding covers on some of these books, I loved the Darwin Cook cover. Yeah, now I got to say, because that's what you posted on your Instagram feed, and you said, Paul, read this. And I'm like, fuck yeah. And then I opened the book, and I'm like, what the shit is this? <laughs> well, and I got to say, uh, let me just say, you know, the cover – Gives you no indication of what's inside the book. No, not I mean, at all. No indication whatsoever. I don't because... think Darwin Cook knew what was going on inside the book. I think they just said, "You want to draw the cover for GI Zombie?" Sure. Right. Yeah, because the there is there are no elements of of uh, the story inside the book that any in any way, shape, or form uh, call back to the cover, except you know the guy says, "Yeah, you know, I used to be a soldier." <laughs> so. That said, Paul, what did you think of the book? I enjoyed the book. Uh, I will say I actually enjoyed the book. Um, I, I would be 
I think it would work well as like an HBO TV series or something. Absolutely. It had yeah. that feel to it. Yeah, it uh, it uh, tells the story of, you know, an undercover cop, you know, who has embedded herself into a motorcycle club. Uh, very Sons of Anarchy-ish. Um, she is there when they bring in a, a federal officer who has been uh, surveilling the club, and they're going to torture him for information. And she says, no, no, let me do it. And she proceeds to cut off his hands, let him bleed out the whole bit. And, uh, shoot him you know, in the head yeah, as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, shoots him in the head. I mean, just kills him hard. And, you know, they're all very impressed with uh, with how she handles that. And so she essentially makes her bones by, uh, you know, killing this guy. And she even goes, hey, don't worry about the body. I'll take care of it. Load him in the trunk and, and, and I'll take care of it. And they're like, OK, great. Yeah. You know, and they've set up a meet for the following day. Well, turns out she gets him back to the hotel and he's actually a zombie and he can reassemble himself. And that's where the story really takes off. And I I loved this story. I thought this story was great. Agreed. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, when she, when she killed the guy, I'm like, where's this story going? I said, where, yeah, is, like, where, where is G.I. Zombie? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I was even wondering if maybe at that point I was like, is this an anthology series? Am I going to get G.I. Zombie later in the story? Yeah, that's what and I thought. Like, oh, that's going to be the second story. Right, right. But no, but, no, it, 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 it works. I mean, it really works. Now, it'll it, probably be just a miniseries because this is not, you know, this is Star Spangled War Story. So I'd imagine, you know, we'll get... Well, yeah, if the book doesn't get canceled by the end of the first story, right? Right. We'll get a different story for uh, yeah, the I second imagine, arc. I imagine we get like three or four issues of this, and then they move on to something else. But the, where, where the GI Zombie uh, title comes in is that he used to be a soldier, and we're you know who knows how many wars back he was a soldier, but you know now he's a zombie guy working in, in the employ of the federal government. And, you know, he's not just a guy who's dead and can reassemble himself. He's a flesh-eating zombie because, yeah. you know, he does wander off and uh, devour a guy uh, who was knocking his girlfriend or wife around and, you know, just tears the guy's arm off and just starts... Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> well, and, uh, you know, this is DC's third war book. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully... Uh... It fares better because the, the land that time forgot is is gone already, isn't it? I have no idea. I didn't know that there was a land that time forgot. Yeah, they 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 rebooted the. I think it was called GI Combat. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I I, I kind of wonder why DC keeps pushing the war stories when they haven't. Seen, you know, it's clear that they're not landing well. I'm not, I'm not sure why why they keep tackling that. Yeah, I don't know, but hmm, I think they're hoping for that one thing that'll connect with people. Yeah. Well, I, I dug the hell out of G.I. Zombie. Yeah, me too. So continuing our suicide pact, <laughs> I read Afterlife with Archie number six, and I posted on Instagram that Aaron had to read it. But Wayne also read it. Yeah, because I've been reading Afterlife with Archie since the beginning. We and, and I have too, so it really wasn't much of a suicide pact, but it wasn't on anyone's list to read this week. So I just wanted to make sure we were reading it because you know, they took a little break after issue five, and this is the return um, – this seems like kind of a, a done-in-one leading up to the next story arc. Um, and so this features what happened to Sabrina after the first issue, after she you know, unknowingly unleashed the zombie horde into Riverdale. And so, Wayne, you haven't spoken in a little bit. What did you think of Afterlife with Archie number six? You know, it was odd because, like you said, it's a kind of 
done in one story dealing with it. So we've had one feel throughout the book, and now we have a really weird feel, in a good way, intentionally weird. Like, I enjoyed this. This was a kind of a Cthulhu thrown in with Archie's story, and it was not what I expected Sabrina was going through at all. So I'm not sure how they're going to continue working with Sabrina when we see her in the future. But it was a nice something different before we get into the next story because they're going to be doing a time jump in the next story. So, Aaron, what did you think? Love the hell out of this book. I, uh, I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm a, a big Cthulhu Mythos fan. And so, you know, to see uh, Dr. Lovecraft in the book and to see, you know, all the, 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 the images of like the, the Deep One ship captain and the tentacles under the water and, you know, all these different, you know, references throughout the book, uh, I, I just I completely dug it. You know, and I, and I dug that, uh, you know, she thinks she's a sacrifice, you know, to Cthulhu. And they're like, oh, no, honey, the other guy, the guy that we killed earlier, he was the sacrifice. You're the bride. And, uh, you know, it ends with Cthulhu rising out of the water and, you know, over her her uh, uh, restrained body. And what I was particularly interested in is the the note on the letters page. It says, so that's what Sabrina's been up to since issue one. A lot of you had been writing in wanting to find out. Hopefully you're not disappointed. Both Francesco and I are H.P. Lovecraft, Lovecraft fanatics. So it was a blast to work on this issue. If you want to see more of Sabrina's adventures as the Bride of Cthulhu, let us know, won't you? <laughs> Well, and I liked like one of the last things that they have in the book is a uh, just like a text thing. And uh, it's showing, you know, Cthulhu's on the page and it says uh, the stars were right again. And what an age old cult had failed to do by design, a young witch had done by accident. So it's just continuing this whole Sabrina really screwed up theme. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I dug it. I thought it was a great book. And, you know, I, it reads it reads almost like the end of the series. It's almost like it's done, you know, uh, but it's not. There's 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 more fun coming. And they did a preview of the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, uh, the the new series that they're going to be doing in the off months uh, from uh, Afterlife with Archie. And it's done very much in that uh, creepy or eerie uh, comic book style. Um, you know, from the 60s and 70s. And so they, they did this, the story of her birth or the, the story of her very young childhood. And it was creepy as all get out. And it was fantastic. I mean, I just, I, I love the uh, the way they told that story. Yeah, I'm looking yeah I never to thought I would, I never thought I would say this, but Archie Comics are doing some really interesting things right now. They're taking chances. I, yeah, I even yeah. picked up the issue uh, where Archie dies a couple weeks ago and I enjoyed that. The, uh, the next storyline of this is entitled Betty R.I.P. So that doesn't sound good. <laughs> Sounds a little ominous. Yeah, a little ominous there. Well, in this series, I doubt very very seriously that she'll be resting in peace. She may be resting in pieces. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. Thank you for the recommendation, Paul. No problem. So next week in comic stores, we have the – Marvel 100th Anniversary Special, which I know we said we weren't going to buy, but it's the goddamn Guardians of the Galaxy one. 
um, written by Andy Lanning and Ron Mars. Um, so 100th anniversary special Guardians of the Galaxy comes out next week. In addition to that, uh, 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 another book that I said I was off of, Guardians of the Galaxy, um, has an issue drawn by Ed McGinnis. And I think I think it's starting their original Sin tie-in that explains what happened to Nova. Mm. I, I may have to pick up that book. We'll see. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got uh, new issues of Cyclops, New Avengers, Secret Avengers, Uncanny Avengers, um, also from Marvel Comics. From DC Comics, we've got a, a number of annuals. We've got Aquaman annual, Red Lanterns, Detective Comics. Um, we've got the conclusion of The Wake, which we haven't really spoken about on the series, but um, it won an Eisner this weekend. Boy, and did you see who the, the Eisner Award winners this, were this year? Yeah. Uh, Matt Fraction won for both Sex Criminals and what was Hawkeye. the other one? Yeah, Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. Um uh, Saga won, and then Brian K. Vaughn won Independent as writer, and uh, forget the artist, isn't it? Fiona Staples won for artist. Um, a lot of really good books won Eisner's this year. Yeah, some some uh, some definite, well deserved awards, including again, like I said, the the Wake I think won best um, miniseries and best penciler and best penciler. Yeah, for, yeah, for Sean, Sean Murphy. Murphy. Yeah. Um, um, Oh, and, uh, you know, one of our favorite books, Paul, uh, uh, Richard Stark's Parker Slayground by uh, Donald Westlake and adapted by Darwin Cook won for best adaptation to from another medium. Well-deserved. Great yeah. book. Great Yeah, book. those books are great. And Rassel won uh, yeah, for best that. graphic album. So pretty cool. Um, also next week, and one of the books I'm most excited about is The Shadow Over Innsmouth, which uh, we talked it, – it's written by Ron Mars. Uh Art by Matthew Dow Smith and basically features the Shadow versus Cthulhu. It's yeah, a one I mean, shot from Dynamite I will, Entertainment. I will be picking that up. I will be too. There's no way I'm not getting that one. And of course, you know, we'll be back to talk about all the rest of the comic Comic Con news that comes out this weekend next week. Yeah, very good. Um, if you are listening to the podcast right now, be sure and go back and check the feed because Rainsboro season three episode one is there. Very exciting stuff. I'm excited. I, I can tell that you are. And if you want to leave us a comment or question or, or uh, yell about Wayne, uh, give us a call at 972-763-5903. That number again is 972-763-5903. If we use your voicemail on the show, you'll win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. Valuable. Valuable. We're more, we're, we're more inclined to uh, to post your, uh, your, your Wayne criticism. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if it's bad. <laughs> yes, let's alienate the guy that shows up more than the two people whose names are in the show. Hashtag yeah. fire Wayne Cole. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, y'all have a good week. All right, catch you later. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.